What's up? It's Andy Grammer with Jag. Hi, this is Carly Rae Jepsen, and you're listening to Jag. Hi, everybody. It's Joe Jonas hanging with Jag. This is Heather Knox with the hottest Jag I've ever seen. Ryan Seacrest with Jag. It's B.O.B. checking in with my homie Jag. So much swag with my homie Jag. It's the Jag Show podcast. Joined today by international man of mystery, Johnny Peterson, Fort Worth, Texas. Welcome, Johnny. Good to be with you. <laughs> man of mystery. Hey, glad to be here, Jack. I appreciate you having me on, brother. Well, I mean, I had to ask you about your background a little bit. So I met you at Podcast Movement last summer. We were met during the fire drill and uh, struck up a conversation outside one of the sessions. Yeah. You're in Texas. You have a San Diego cell phone number. Where are you from? It's all part of my ploy to stay under the radar of the government. Uh, they'll never know where I am. Oh, you're one of those. Okay. <laughs> no, I, uh, I'm i San Diego, born and raised, ended up in Texas to go attend Texas Christian University and have yet to become an official resident, which includes getting the phone number set up. So There is no need to do that. I still have a Boston cell phone number. I have not lived in Massachusetts since 2004. You are fine. You're good. It's just easier to remember. It's the number I've had my whole life. So why why change it? And just all your friends and family have code. it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So. Yeah. Well, thank God I'm not a celebrity because those guys are going through numbers left and right every two days. It's a new cell phone number. Well, we've got a horned frog and an orange man on today. <laughs> we have this great mastermind group, and I apologize for you being the final one of the group that I've had on the show. I've had Catherine O'Brien. I've had Matt <laughs> Kundal. I've had David Yaz, and of course, now I have you. And you were giving me some crap before about like not including you, so I'm glad to have you on the show. Uh, (laughs) You do what I do, in a way, in Texas, but a little bit differently. So tell me how you first discovered podcasting and how you got into it and how you started the company. It is a good story, I think. So I was approached by one of my friends, and he said, hey, you know who Chris D'Elia is? And Chris D'Elia is a stand-up comedian. Mm -hmm. And he goes, have you heard his podcast? And I go, no, I haven't really gotten into podcasts. I, you know, everyone's heard, kind of heard of the term back and forth. What is it really? I started just binging his podcast. I think it was around 2016 or 2017 and just absolutely fell in love with it. And it was at a time in my life where I was coming to grips with the fact that I was done playing college basketball. I'd done it for two years. I had decided to kind of uproot my life from California, move to Texas. And then what falls within that is what do you want to do with your life? What do you want to do for your career? And I just decided, you know what? It's going to be something with podcasting. I don't know what it's going to be. It's going to be podcasting. Mm -hmm. And so I started with my own show and incorporated a little bit of my passion for basketball and this newfound passion for podcasting and just started going at it. Had no idea what to do. Bought a Blue Yeti mic, plugged it into my laptop. Yeah, yeah, started recording through GarageBand and just started teaching myself, okay, what goes into creating a great podcast? And then I was in one of my marketing classes my senior year of college, the first semester senior year, and I brought it up in class. I just kind of mentioned it that I had a podcast and people kind of look back at me and they're like, what the f- is this kid talking about? <laughs> and my professor calls me after class and she goes, hey, there's an alumni who wants to start a podcast. Do you mind helping him out? Would you meet with him just to see if you could help him get started? And I go, yeah, sure. And so I kind of do my research on the guy. I end up putting together a full page proposal of what I could do for him, equipment that he'd need. I would provide all of his editing. I put a price on there too. I had no idea what I was saying or what I was doing. Oh yeah. And so I show up and I meet with the guy. His name's Chris Powers. He he is currently now my mentor and my business partner. And he just says, you're hired. He takes one look at the page. He says, this is the most prepared I've ever seen anyone come in for a first meeting with me. 
we produced his show for about six months and he goes, you know what? I think what you're doing is something that could be a really viable business. More people are learning about podcasting. More people are discovering that it's really valuable for businesses, for people trying to build their personal brand. And as I was working on his show, I was learning the ins and outs of what is a really great podcast sound like? How, from a production standpoint, what needs to be done in order to just take this crappy raw audio that we're recording and turning it into something that people really enjoy. And so he and I partnered together. We funded a little money into it. And now it's a it's a full production company that we know today as Straight Up Podcasts a little over a year later. What are some of the lessons that you've learned both in terms of pre-production and post-production? Like what you have to set up to make the podcast sound good and then what you have to do afterwards with it? Environment is everything. Yeah. People record in their kitchen, they record in their bathroom. As long as it's a small enough room, you can get some of these little sound pads. I've got about four of these bass traps just kind of hanging around. Mm -hmm. What really matters is you got to have as quiet of an environment as possible. And that's something I learned the hard way. I think about half of the episodes that we were recording with Chris early on in the podcast life was right next to a construction site. So that really oh, that really threw me into the fire of, okay, noise reduction, what do you need to know <laughs> in, terms <Yeah. laughs> of, in terms of minimizing this background noise? And then just develop a process. Make it something to where when you sit down to record your podcast, you know the ins and outs, steps one, two, three, and four. Okay, I need to have my recorder on. Everything's plugged in. It's going to be the same process every single time. And I learned that the hard way of, you know, oh, I didn't have the input set on Logic and I missed the entire recording. Or he, we had a podcast one time where I thought everything was on. I was using one of these old Behringer mix boards and it turns out that I had the input for the audio set to computer audio. And so the entire podcast was recorded into my laptop speakers. And I remember just sitting at my computer for like two hours going through everything. What is happening? How did this podcast turn out so shit? And it turns out it was that. So it, it's a trial and error type deal from the pre-production standpoint. But if you're a podcast producer like you and I are, and you're somebody that makes podcasts happen for other people, you need to make sure you have your process down. And I learned this the hard way today. Uh, you need to have backup equipment. You need to make sure if something goes wrong right before the recording happens, you need to have a way to still capture this audio in a way that doesn't put any unnecessary stress on the hosts or people who are coming in if you're recording for them. So what happened today? Well, today, luckily, it didn't happen with a client coming into the studio. But today, I, I went into one record my podcast and then get ready to prep the show for you to join on your podcast. And I plug in everything from my Rodecaster Pro and my headphones put out a screeching feedback noise that I will never forget. Oh, no. It was the most, it almost blew out my eardrums, which for oh. you and me, you know, is a death sentence for our industry. <laughs> if you can't, if we can't hear, we can't get any work done and we can't get paid, but. Someone should say some uh, long-term disability in that case. Right. I need to have some extra uh, hearing aids on deck, but I had spilled water on the Roadcaster last week and got about three pods done after that with other people and nothing was wrong. So I kind of just put it under the rug. And then that's kind of the realization I came to is the water must have dried up and eaten away at the headphone outputs. So. Oh no. I learned the hard way of, you know, $700 later, I've got a new Roadcaster Pro coming in the mail tomorrow. Do you have any kind of insurance or equipment replacement on it or anything? No, I think I had a two-year warranty, but I don't think that accounts for... Uh, I was honest with the guy when I talked to him on the phone, my sales rep, Matt. Shout out to Matt at Sweetwater. Um, oh, Sweetwater's awesome. Yeah, I was, I was honest with him and he said, yeah, you know, me being a dimwit and <laughs> breaking it is not going to fall under the insurance. So it's okay. You know, normally I'd be really upset by something like this, but... It's just one of those things that happens. But luckily, and this is something I talked about on the podcast, is you got to have backups, have a backup mm -hmm. mic, have a backup recorder. And I completely understand that a lot of people do this as a hobby. So it's not something to where they can just drop 
money on an extra Rodecaster Pro to have in the closet in case something happens. But just have a backup USB microphone that you can plug into your laptop. You can record into QuickTime Player in a pinch. You can record into your DAW directly and you'll still get a decent audio quality. But you got to have some kind of backup because you do not want to be that guy that is bringing on a once in a lifetime guest that you'll know you'll never get back. You took six months trying to get him on the pod and something like this happens and you just go, I'm screwed. So here we are because your Roadcaster uh, Pro Mobile Studio isn't working, which again, you and I both swear by that box. You you are running uh, your microphone into a Zoom, is it an H6? I run it through the Zoom H6 right now. And so what I'm going to do for this is it's uh, locally recording and I'll play with it on my end afterward and send it off over to you. The podcasting term known as a double lender, which always sounded very dirty to me, but there's really <laughs> nothing dirty about it. I, John, I've never heard, I've never thought of it in that light. And so you said it just You've heard now. the phrase though, right? I've heard double ending. Yeah. And, yeah, and so never... we're both recording separately. We're going to put the files together afterwards. <laughs> uh, if it makes you feel any better, we've all done the not push record mistake. Have I ever told you my Ryan Seacrest story? I don't think so. No, hit me. Radio DJ doing afternoons in New Orleans and American Idol auditions come to the convention center in New Orleans. And mm-hmm. my radio station ran Ryan Seacrest show. He was on 10 to 2 and then I was on 2 to 7 after him. And I pulled some strings and I said, hey, any chance, like, I know he's super busy. He's like the busiest guy in the world. But could I get like 10 minutes to do a quick like one-on-one interview with Seacrest? I don't know. I don't know. Okay, fine. It happens. All right. So be at the convention center. Be in this hallway at this time. Perfect. I brought our web girl with us and she was going to video it while I did the interview. I wanted to use my iPhone. So I had a microphone to plug into the phone and then she was shooting video. And I must have pulled the mic a little too hard right before the interview started and came halfway out of the jack right before I started interviewing him. So here he is, the biggest, most famous person I've ever interviewed, probably, or one of them at least, in my 15 years in radio. I go back to listen, put my headphones, and go back to listen to the, and he was a great, nicest guy in the world, like, great interview, talked about coming up as a radio guy, driving the station van in Atlanta, like, to gigs and stuff. All that's there for the audio is white noise. Oh, and your heart just breaks. I, I almost cried. I almost literally cried in the middle of the uh, New Orleans Convention Center. We've all been there. Anytime something like that, I, I mean, thank God I've never had it with a Ryan Seacrest, but I, I've had, you know, been on the verge of tears where something that I've just royally screwed up because, you know, especially when you're doing it for somebody else, it's like, it's now on you. I mean, yeah, they did their part. They showed up. They brought on a kick-ass guest and they did a great job on the podcast. And now your job is to be able to take that audio and put it together for them. And if you screw up from the jump, it's just, it's one of those things every producer has to go through someone, everyone in podcasting will go through it at some point, but it's like earning your stripes. The story did have a happy ending because I emailed his people that day and I was like, Hey, this is totally my bad, my mistake. I messed this up. Is there any chance I could get maybe like two or three or five minutes with him tomorrow? Like yeah. I, I, if not, I understand. Cause I'm the one that messed up here, but what do you think? And they're like, yeah, we can make it happen, but it's got to be quick. I said, oh, thank God. So yeah. what we did is on our station every day, I had a promo that ran during Ryan's show. That's not like my first name basis. I had a promo that ran during <laughs> Seacrest's show. Me and my boy, and, Rai Rai. And it would say, hey, you know, hope you're enjoying uh, On Air with Ryan Seacrest. Jag coming up this afternoon, blah, 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 blah. So that day's promo, I said, hey, it's Jag. I got to talk to Ryan Seacrest yesterday. He was awesome. We did a great interview. And then something awful happened. I'll tell you about it this afternoon. So as fate would have it, Seacrest, as he's being driven from his hotel room to the convention center to do the American Idol auditions, is listening to his own show to hear how it sounds on the station in New Orleans. And he hears the promo. Wow. 
So he comes up to me in the convention center. He's like, dude, I heard the promo. What happened? And here I am explaining to Ryan Seacrest <laughs> that I messed up Audio 101 in our interview yesterday. And I said, Ryan, I am so embarrassed. Thank you so much. I really appreciate your time. I know you're busy. He's like, oh, dude, that's happened to me before. Don't worry about it. So to your point, Johnny, it really has happened to, to everybody. everybody. Wow. From you to me to Ryan Seacrest. <laughs> I didn't realize you were rubbing such impressive shoulders these days, John, but you've been holding out on us in the podcast producers group. Yeah, I don't think I wouldn't <laughs> consider Ryan a friend, but I will say this. Anytime anybody said anything snarky about Ryan Seacrest since, I said, no, 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 he's a great dude. He and does he, seem and, like a nice guy. And he treated me like an equal, even though I make about $25 million less a year than he does. <laughs> But this is not about me. You are my guest, Johnny. Let's get back to you here. So, I mean, if you got more secret stories, I'm down to hear them. That's my only secret story. <laughs> so coronavirus, COVID-19, you've got this great studio. You've got this great setup there in Fort Worth. How has it affected you? Are you completely remote with guests? How much time are you in the studio versus at home? What have the last couple months been like for you? You know, it's been interesting. I was in Hawaii when everything kind of went down and I was on vacation. You do get around. I do get around. Yeah. So it was... Uh, Definitely the best time to take a vacation was at the very last moment before everyone gets shut down. So yeah. uh, I kind of got it all out of my system and was ready to go into hiding. But uh, bad time to take a vacation from a business standpoint, because mm -hmm. there was about a week or so period where I didn't hear back from anybody. Not a single client was responding to emails. And I was like, holy shit, I'm going to lose everything. Yeah. You know, I sat down with my board and my mentors and they all just they all said the same thing as wait for the dust to settle. Everyone's running around like a chicken with their head cut off right now. They'll come around. Just wait. Just wait. And sure enough, they did. But luckily on my end, back to your question. I'm about sorry. This, did, you, did you say your board? I do have a board. Yes. Your board. OK, forget the Seacrest <laughs> thing. You've got a board of directors. Who's big time now? <laughs> it, it's you know, I think every company should have one, regardless if you're a one man operation or if you're you know, you should have people that you should but you're, be able to it, talk to. You're not to. a one man operation if you have a board by definition. <laughs> All right. All right. OK, I'll give you that. But anyways, we're <laughs> um, luckily the studio only accounted for currently, even before coronavirus, only accounted for about 10 percent of my business. So it, it, it's sort of just a nice thing that I get to have to play with. Uh, and bring people in, do some voiceover stuff, things like that. But luckily, I was kind of set up for a coronavirus type world from a work standpoint. Most of my clients are spread out all over the country, whether it's Silicon Valley, whether it's on the other side of Texas, whether it's in Washington, they're everywhere. And they've all got their own setups at their homes. I've already gone through the process of making sure they could do remote recording. So I was really prepared, even though I had no idea what was going to happen. So people are still sending me recordings. Essentially, the way my business model works is they get everything recorded on their end and we have a process of sharing the audio with me and I'm able to play with it and clean it up on my end and upload it for them and sort of just distribute it. Do you co-host most of the shows or are a lot of the shows just different guests and you record it and produce it? No, I am a totally behind the scenes kind of guy. So the only time you'll hear my voice on any of the shows that I produce are voiceover disclaimers, voiceover advertisements, which is something that I'm very blessed to be able to pick Matt's brain about. Matt Kundal is also in our, our podcast producers group about just voiceover because yeah. it's something I always wanted to do and dabble in. And so I'm really enjoying being able to do a little bit of voiceover work. So when I do send my shows to like family members or people that I know, they'll be like, hey, you'll actually be able to hear me like I not only do I produce the show but I have a little bit of voice acting in there as well hopefully they're also listening to uh, your podcast too which is called pod logic and you know what I don't care if people I know listen to my show or not it's not for them and that's something that people don't realize in podcasting is your show is not for everybody and if you make your show for everybody no one's gonna listen to it if it's for everybody it's for nobody because 
those folks that come in and say, oh, what's your podcast about? Well, we talk about anything and everything, whatever we want to talk about. You're going to fail there. So my podcast is really dedicated to the new podcaster, someone who is very new in their journey of having their show or all the way up until a veteran. It really doesn't matter. But I just try to provide really bite-sized experiences that I've had in my journey of running this business as a podcast producer and things that I would recommend for people if they were starting today, this is what I would do going forward in order to make their journey just a little bit easier. And it's really turned me on to the idea of micropods of these like really short tidbits of podcasts that aren't the two hour Joe Rogan podcast interviews Mm -hmm. that are just two to five minutes. Here's something really tangible you can take away in a really short sitting and I can capture their attention for that short amount of time. But yeah, pod logic is the podcast. And you do a fantastic job with it. I've shared a few episodes on Twitter. I think you got some really great information in there. Thank you. I appreciate it. You know, and it's funny you mentioned that because I was just giving that advice to somebody today who would ask me for a critique on their show. And I said, listen, you, what's your focus? What's your show about? And who is your target audience? Like, you know, this is another person who would come from radio into podcasting. And I said, look, when you're in radio, yes, our target audience is females 18 to 34 or, you know, women 25 to 45. No, it's not about a demographic. It's about what is the interest. And I, you know, had to think about that with my show, too, where we put out this 30 minute interview that you're hearing now. We put out this 30 minute interview every Tuesday. And then I do, like you, a quick podcasting news update on Friday. But like you said, it's a micropod. I keep it to five, six minutes because... I don't think anybody wants to listen to me do a monologue about the ins and outs of podcasting news for 30 minutes. So it's a quick five minutes. Here are the biggest stories of the week. Here's what you need to know. Here's my take on it. Boom. That's every Friday. And then the interview here is every Tuesday. And I always tell clients, it's a networking thing. It's not about don't get hung up on these download numbers. Mm. I found myself doing that. Like, oh, how many people listen to this last episode? Oh, how many of those people listen to Johnny? Johnny was a really great guest. How many people listen to him? But part of me doing this, it's to establish myself in the field but it's also to network. It's also a great opportunity to have these one-on-one conversations with people that I really uh, have a lot of respect for in the space, such as yourself, that we can talk about podcasting, but even have a little bit of a deeper conversation too. And I think podcasting is such a cooperative space that it really lends itself to that kind of natural networking. Yeah, absolutely. And and I love what you said about on Fridays. I, I do love your five minute recaps because they're so short. I love tuning into them. And I love oh, your, thank you. the intro that you played at the beginning is the best. I think it's the best podcast intro out there up next to Joe Rogan's uh, <laughs> infamous train by day Joe Rogan podcast by night. But um, when you said it's it's a news roundup, nobody wants to hear you monologue for 30 minutes about the news. And I find I struggle with this in my newsletter that I put out every week, which is I try to put in a couple news podcasting stories. Not a ton is really going on in the world of podcasting from a news standpoint. So sometimes you can really only scrape together five to six minutes of content from a news standpoint. I don't know how, you know, these daily podcasting newsletters, uh, I mean, it's tough to find all that stuff. So I'm glad I'm not in the news reporting business in terms of all credit, by the way, to James Cridland at Pod News. He does that two or three minutes every day and he is on it. He knows the entire industry. So props to him. Yeah, I'm a big fan of it. And just for the record, I do not pull any of their stories. I source my own stuff for my newsletter. I don't, I'm not going to rip off their content. If I take a story out of Pod News, I'll say this was reported in Pod News. I give, I, I give them credit. Do you have, Johnny, a, like some specialty clients that you work with? Is there an area you kind of spend a lot of time in more so than another or are you kind of all over the place? Right now, it's really focused heavily in the business market and I'm starting to expand into uh, universities, actually. So I'm currently working with two universities right now and I I think I'm allowed to talk about it, but I produce Body of Wonder by the University of Arizona, Mm -hmm. which has been great. I love working with them. And then we are in the beginning stages of launching a podcast for my alma mater, TCU. 
And so I found that the university space is really critical for podcasting. It it is such a missed opportunity because there is just a plethora of reasons that a university could utilize a podcast, whether that's lectures, whether that's roundup of notes that they taught throughout the week. And even now with what we're doing now is trying to get the university to, like you said, with your podcast is establish themselves as a player in the industry of whatever industry they're trying to go for. And a podcast is a great way to do that. So I'm spending a lot of time in the university area. I think it's starting to become my bread and butter and a a bigger face of what the straight up brand is going to be. You've had some really great tips in the PodLogic show that we mentioned a minute ago, but just, you know, recording environments and some great stuff for beginners and some great reminders for those of us that have been doing it for a little while. Can you give me, I'm going to put you on the spot here, and if it takes you forever to answer it, I'll edit it. But (laughs) can you give me maybe your top two or three pet peeves about podcasts, things that you hear that you're like, you want to just run through a wall when you hear it. My number one pet peeve is bad audio quality. And I've built my entire brand and my entire reputation on the idea that you cannot have a podcast if it doesn't sound great. It has to. That's the number one thing is you have to have great sounding audio. That means you can't record Zoom calls just straight up and just yeah. with everyone talking into the laptop and repurpose that on Anchor as a podcast. It's just not going to, people aren't going to listen to that. You can't speak into your Blue Yeti anymore. That's definitely my number one pet peeve because maybe- Are you sure you can't do the thing from across the room into the laptop, Mike? <laughs> because five or 10 years ago, maybe, maybe when podcasting wasn't as big as it is in 2020, you could probably get away with something like that. And as you grow, you start to establish yourself as a player in the industry. Then you can sort of upgrade your equipment. Now, from the jump, you have to have a sure SM7B mic. You have to have a Samsung QT. You have to have something that at the very least puts you at the same level as the pros and the very top shows in the game because people's standards are very high. They have so many options out there. And if they hear the first 30 seconds of your podcast and it's used like you just did now screaming from across the room and welcome back to my podcast. Today, we're going to be talking <laughs> about everything that I think is interesting. People are gone immediately. So that's definitely my number one pet peeve. I think my second pet peeve, oh man, you're gonna, you really did put me on the spot here. Number one is always audio quality. I think the second pet peeve is um, people who either over edit or under edit. What do you mean? What I mean by that is they either don't trim enough fat or they trim too much fat. So there's a fine line in the podcast production world. And I'm sure you and I have talked about this at great lengths of how many ums do I remove? Do I remove all of them? Do I remove none of them? And I think you and I have found a pretty healthy rate of between 65 and 85% of those crutch words and filler words like that. Because on the one hand, if you remove all of them, it now sounds like a really scripted conversation. And I might as well be listening to an audiobook hmm. because people make mistakes all the time when they're talking because that's kind of the lure of podcasting is it feels like you're sitting at the coffee table having a cup of coffee with two other really interesting people and you're just kind of listening to them have a conversation. I think those are the best podcasts. And in those conversations, the word um comes up. It just happens. The word like, like every millennial out there, that word is going to happen. So uh, if I were out there, if an hour new producer, I wouldn't worry too much about uh, taking all of them out, but you have to take some of them out because if every other word coming out of your mouth is, um, uh, yeah, I, uh, I just, uh, I think, uh, that um, it, it, then that person is also going to tune out as well. So it's something that just comes with experience. But I would say those are my two pet peeves in podcasting, audio quality and over or under editing. Yeah, I think sometimes the over editing can be a problem where if a listener can tell that you made an edit there, that means you over edited it. Yeah. There might be something where somebody messes up and has to restart a sentence or another common thing. And I know you've probably seen this too, Johnny, is 
somebody says something wrong and laughs and then says it correctly, but they're still laughing as they say it correctly. Yeah. You can't just cut it because all of a sudden it's a regular sentence that's pretty straightforward. And then they're laughing at yeah. part of it. And yes. and it makes no sense contextually. So you have to think about it as, okay, can I make this edit? If I make this edit, is it still going to sound natural? Or is the audience going to go, huh, what just happened there? Yeah. And so you're, let's get into the weeds into that a little bit. I want to get a little deeper into that is yeah. breaths and monitoring uh, breaths in post-production. So one of the finer things that happens when you I, I did a, I did some quick math like six months ago, maybe. And I edited I spent about seven or eight hundred hours editing audio in the past eight or nine months. Wow. OK. And doing that, you see a lot of things. You see a lot of mistakes <laughs> and you learn a lot of things. You've seen a lot of stuff. I've in seen your a day. lot of stuff. Yeah, there's a ton of I, th- I should keep some of that stuff and just have it as blackmail for the future. Um, Hashtag blooper reel. Yeah. But anyway, back to the breaths is when someone finishes a sentence and then they breathe in and you can see that on the audio track, you see that wave of the, um, and then they continue their sentence. You have to be very conscious of that breath. So either that breath, it gets removed completely, or you have to make sure that the sentence after the, um, has to start at the end of that intake breath. And you have to make that transition seamless or else that edit is going to really stick out at you of a, a quick breath in, another quick breath in, and then the next sentence comes out. So it's just little things like that that you just pick up just by doing it over and over and over and over again. For anyone listening out there that is feeling overwhelmed by all this kind of just technical jargon and this is going to steer you away from starting and editing your own podcast, luckily there's folks like John and myself that do this for a living and will take that burden off your plate for you. But at the end of the day, it just takes practice. So you just do it over and over and over again, and you become great at it. I didn't go to Full Sail University and major in engineering, audio engineering, (laughs) nothing like that. I made this something that I learned how to do myself while I was going to school and getting a degree in something else. And it's what's your degree in, by the way, uh, marketing from the business school, which well, that's a nice combination to have then. Well, actually, I mean, with with all the coronavirus layoffs that are going on right now, I, I have serious doubts about the future of people majoring in marketing because it's like I see all the layoffs and those are the first people getting cut is marketing departments are just getting slashed. Yeah, but you've taught yourself a skill and you have the classroom education to market it. I think that's what sets you up very well. Yeah, I think so too. And I was listening to a great podcast today with, uh, do you know Jay Kunzo? I don't. He runs a podcast called Three Clips and I used to do some producing for him, but he was on the marketing book podcast that I was listening to this morning. And uh, the host, I can't remember his name, but he had a great line. They're both talking about the stuff that you do at nights and on the weekends on the side, that's the stuff you end up doing full time. And so podcast editing Mm. and producing was stuff that I was doing when I wasn't in class because I started running one show and then it became two shows and it became three shows. And the, you know, the more you do it and it just kind of transitioned into a full-time thing because that's what I was doing and that's what I was passionate about. So I'm a big believer in that quote, the things you do at night and on the weekends on the side, eventually, if you work hard enough at it, that can become your full-time gig. I love that. And it really hits home for me because sometimes on the weekend, obviously, you know, we're home, we're not going anywhere. (laughs) If my wife is doing something or my wife wants to take a nap or is watching a show that I don't have any interest in, I'm going to go, go ahead, watch the show. I'm just going to go edit a podcast for like an hour and and do a little bit of work. And then BC before Corona. That is great. I love that. BC before Corona. (laughs) <laughs> when she had her office job, she'd get up first, she'd shower, she'd get ready, she'd leave. And then, I, you know, as she would be leaving, I'd get up to walk the dog and start my day and all that. Now I get up first. Not only does she not have a commute anymore, but 
I'm like, okay, well, I've got, you know, these four recordings today and I've got these six podcasts to edit today. Like, I've got a lot on my plate today. I better get up. So that's a big day. Okay, I think I'm exaggerating a little bit. There's six edits in one day. That's I, I can't even I, do that. Well, let me okay. Well, let me, let, now that you say that, let me ask you this: in terms of amount of audio, okay, how much audio can you edit in a day before you start to say, okay, I need to put this away for the night? I think my personal record is I did five podcasts that were all over 45 minutes each. Oh, so you're talking from, three, four from, hours at that from point from start to finish. So. I want people to know the pro. I mean, I'm such a big believer in giving away information for free. Yeah. Because what we do, we get paid very well for. But what we took to learn how to do it, that information, I'm totally fine with giving away for free. So the editing process is each audio track needs to be played with by itself. It needs its own EQ. It needs its own voice leveling. It needs its own set of plugins, whatever you're going to do for it. And then you have to export each of those. And then you have to mix them down. And then you have to get, okay, what voiceovers, what plugins do they need? Or what is the music going to need? What is, how do I fade it in and out? Everything like that. So from start to finish, I think five of those in one day is probably my limit. There was a point where I remember I started working at 5 a.m. one day and I stopped editing at 2 or 3 o'clock straight uh in the mm. afternoon and i couldn't see for like 45 minutes my eye because i was just staring at the screen for so long that's the uh 20 20 20 rule every 20 minutes you should stare at something 20 feet away for 20 seconds yeah and i was not doing that <laughs> but it talks about you know when you find something you love doing and you and i are very similar like this johnny is you can get sucked into it so i know mm. in the afternoons if i'm editing like the nbc station here sends a push alert to their phones about hey what's coming up in the news and they send one out for the four o'clock newscast. They send one out for the five o'clock newscast. They send one out for the six o'clock newscast. And that's kind of how I keep track of time in the afternoon because I could just be editing and I could just be really elbows deep in a file and, oh, it's four o'clock. Oh, it's five o'clock. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's six o'clock. And I don't realize it sometimes. And, and now I'm trying to figure out, you know, find that balance of, okay, maybe this podcast doesn't have to get edited today for an episode that's not being released for another three weeks. Like, I, I can wait till tomorrow on that. Okay, my wife's done, and I don't want my wife to get hangry, so we should probably start dinner. <laughs> yes. Something I've had to learn lately is, okay, you can put this away for now. Like, even if there's, like, seven minutes of audio left to edit on that podcast, you can put it down, and you can come back to it tomorrow. Can you, though? That's the real question. Can you, Yeah, though? it's it's tricky. <laughs> it's tricky when you, because you, it's... You know, it's almost like a video game in some ways, like manipulating everything to get it just right and yeah, making it sound a, right. It's, it's a challenge. It's, it's, it's a challenge. It's a puzzle. It's yes, addictive. Yeah. And it really can be a lot of fun. And there are some days, I think my limit is about two hours. If I get yeah. between an hour and a half and two hours of audio edited in one day, I'm like, okay. I think that for you, and I apologize for cutting you off. I think in your specific case, that's because you're also hosting and you're also doing a ton of more in-person recordings where your presence is required. Okay. Whereas on my end, the bulk of my work is just editing stuff that's already been recorded that I don't know when it was recording. I only know that they sent it to me and they say, hey, I got a new podcast in the Dropbox. I need it done by X. OK, that's a fair point. And my wife, you know, God bless her. She's my CFO and she's she's always that outside perspective to say, hey, I noticed this. Have you thought about this? She had a good thought to me over the weekend where she had said to me, hey, if you really are good at editing when you're fresh in the morning after you've eaten your breakfast and right after you've had your coffee, Maybe you should think about scheduling things so that you're doing your editing in the morning and you're doing more of your recording in the afternoon. Mm. And I said, that's really a great idea because a lot of times once I finish that coffee and I get down there, I dive in and at you know, eight, nine o'clock, I sit down from the computer and I'm plowing through the editing. And then as opposed to having to do like an interview at 10 or 11, and then I'm coming back to it in the afternoon. And then I, maybe I get that, you know, was it the five hour energy commercial, that yeah. two o'clock feeling? And it's just, <laughs> and it's just like, so knowing when you're good 
at certain things at certain times a day can, I think, be helpful as well. I totally agree. And I, and I came to that through trial and error of I internally realized the same exact thing. I'm the same process as you. I do all my editing at the best at the very start of the day. Really? Okay. I'll wake up, check my email, make sure there's no fires that I need to put out at that immediate time because there are fires, especially when we're yes. when we're one one man operations like you and I are. There are a lot of fires, and you got to be on top of everything. But you mean the board can't put out the fires? The board, for you? no. The board has their own companies that got to run. They're just kind of looking okay. over, and be like, "You okay? You doing okay? <laughs> okay. All right. See you later." Um, that's the reason I scheduled this podcast for in the afternoon. I've done the majority of my editing for the day. This is kind of just my wind down until the day is over. And now I don't have anything in the back of my mind of, holy, I got to get this podcast done and out because it needs to launch tomorrow. So I agree. It's a, You find a balance. And then one thing I wanted to ask you about, as we sort of navigate this new venture of we're starting our own companies and we're working for ourselves and we don't really have a man that we or man or woman that we answer to uh, on a daily basis. Oh, I do. She's upstairs, but that's another story. Yeah, yeah. Mine's sitting outside too. Um, There's kind of two ways that you go about earning a living is one, you're salaried and you kind of just are past projects that are sourced by other people and they're brought to you and now you do job X and then you pass it on to the next person to the next stage of the process. Whereas where we are is you eat what you kill. So we now have to go out and we have to source who is going to be providing the podcast audio. Now we have to go teach them how to use the equipment. And again, once they're recorded, now we have to edit and pass it out to them and then troubleshoot everything along the way, any issues that they're running into. I guess I'm curious, is is it more satisfying for you to have this eat what you kill model and be able to control everything? Or because you've experienced both, I haven't. I've only known this way of doing things. First off, I love the eat what you kill analogy. I don't know if I'm going to use that in my next pitch, but I do love it. So um, I like having control over the whole process because I'm a perfectionist and I'm a control freak, which is an asset and a liability at the same time. And I think that for me, I like saying, uh, you know what? I'm going to say both now that I think about it as as I'm answering you, because I have some clients that, okay, I know what mic I'm going to send you. I know how we're going to record. I'm with you and record it. You know, in real time, I can say, or at the end of the podcast, say, hey, you actually screwed up the the phrasing of that. Can you just give me this Mm -hmm. one sentence over again? And I know it's right there for me to splice in and I'm good to go. Yet I have a company that I work with where I do podcasts for their clients. They're a financial advisor company and they do all the social, which is nice, and all the marketing. So I'm recording and editing yeah. the podcast, and then I send the link to the social person and say, here are the links, put them up on Facebook and Twitter and LinkedIn. I don't like the marketing side of it. The marketing and sales is not my favorite thing, but when it comes to conceiving, recording, producing, editing the podcast, I like to have control of that whole process. And I think if I were to you know, to grow the company at some point, I would probably outsource some of the editing because that's, yep. as we've discussed, one of the most time-consuming parts of the whole thing. But having control over the creative process so that I know it was recorded well and it's a good product, like you with your clients, I really enjoy having full control over that part of the process. Yeah. And that kind of leads into the next point that I, I mean, sorry, I'm turning this around. I'm now in charge of the interview. Um, you had um, your chance, Johnny. I was already on your <laughs> podcast. <laughs> it's all good. Have you heard of the two types of companies? So there's the idea that there's two styles of companies. There's an Amazon and there's a Ben and Jerry's. Okay. So an Amazon style company is exactly what Amazon is. They scale immediately. They service thousands and thousands of people right off the bat. And there's no scenario where they wouldn't grow to a billion gazillion dollar company. Mm -hmm. That's just what they do. They're in technology. They're doing this and that. Now there's a Ben and Jerry's company. They start with one store. They do one thing super, super well. Now they have two stores. They do something super, super well. Now they have three stores. And while it may take five, 10, 15 more years for them to get to the same level of Amazon, 
the growth pattern is different because of what they're providing. So now from your and my perspective, we now have to make a decision. Do we want to be an Amazon company? Do we want to move out to Silicon Valley and VC raise tens of millions of dollars to bring in tons of producers and become this huge production house? Or do we want to be a Ben and Jerry's? And that's sort of the journey that I'm on and that I've decided that's what I want to do. I want to have maybe two or three producers under me that are doing a lot of the hardcore editing where I step back and I have a bigger picture of what the business is. And I now have a ton of flexibility because I'm in charge of this mom and pop production shop. That rhymes. Um, That's a decision maker that everyone needs to make, whether you're in podcasting or whether you're starting any other business. And I think that uh, I'm curious if you've had sort of that revelation, not necessarily in that terms, but have you thought about that? I haven't had that revelation until this very moment. So thank you for that. I... (laughs) I'm with you. I lean toward more the Ben and Jerry's model. Like, you know, my wife and I have running jokes. We'll say, listen, you know, when I become the podcast king of Detroit, you know, like Abe Froman, the sausage king of Chicago. Although yeah. that Actually, that movie might be too old for you. You might not. Do you know the reference? What movie is that? Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Oh, my God. I love Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Okay. Thank God. Because, you know, you're, you're a little bit younger than me. So I want to make sure you got that. You got the <laughs> reference. Um, you know, we have said that when I be- grow this thing into a gajillion dollar company, not only am I going to uh, carry around all my equipment in a Jaguar SUVs for the sole reason that I get the license plate that says Jags Jag, we're also <laughs> going to have a second home in Hawaii that we'll rent out on the big island when we're not there. So have you been listening in on my conversations with my girlfriend as to what we're going to be doing? Because Hawaii is what that's what we're talking about, too. Uh, OK, hang on. Which island? <laughs> Kauai. Okay, we haven't been to Kauai yet, but we love the Big Island so far. But Okay, yeah. I'm going to say Big Island, but we're, maybe we'll be neighbors in Kauai. Who knows? Okay. So there is that Amazon temptation of I want to make a bajillion dollars and never have to worry about money again and spoil the crap out of all my nieces and nephews and all mm-hmm. that sort of thing and be the cool uncle. But I honestly, I have taken so much pride in the relationship building with clients. You know, the clients that have said, hey, You've done a really great job for me. Let me introduce you to my friend who's starting a podcast or my coworker. And building those relationships, and I'm not sure how it is in Dallas and Fort Worth, but in Detroit, it's a really big, small town or really small, big city, depending on how you want to phrase it. Everybody kind of knows each other here. And if I can establish myself as the authority locally in this space, as the go-to guy to do these podcasts for people, I'd rather build those personal relationships than, I mean, I'd love to have the Amazon money. But there's a real satisfaction coming out of those relationships that you can't put a dollar amount on. I totally agree. I'm in the exact same area. I think DFW is, is very similar. It's a big, small town where everyone knows each other, but at a certain level. So if you can get your foot in the door with that level of people, then everybody knows each other. It's kind of like that upper area of the people that want to do podcasting, if that makes sense. But back to your what you said about relationship building really resonated with me, especially with what we're dealing with with COVID-19 and coronavirus. If you don't have those relationships with those people, they're gone Yeah. when coronavirus hits. Because every client that I've talked to that we've discussed, like, look, how do you want to go forward? I know that, you know, the podcast is kind of just a hobby thing for you. What do you want to do going forward? Because I know everyone's affected by this thing. And nine times out of 10, the answer has been, well, I love working with you. So that's why I want to keep the podcast going. That's awesome. You do such a great job for me. And I love talking to you. And maybe we just call and shoot the shit about anything. That's why I'm sticking around. And so that has been something that I've been super thankful for is just if you can build relationships like that, whether you're a podcast producer or not, you can do and build anything. I love it. I'm going to leave it there with you, Johnny. If somebody wants to hit you up at Straight Up Podcast, what are the best ways to reach you? I'm most active on Twitter. So you can follow me at Johnny Threederson. Uh, you'll see a quick plug to my straight up account on there as well. But if you want to check out what we're doing, the podcast that we produce and sort of our services at Straight Up Podcast, it's very similar to Jag. So 
If you want to go to JAG, go to JAG. If you're more of a Texas local, check me out. It's at straightuppodcastsplural.com. Johnny Peterson, thank you so much for the time today. Great talking to you as always, and we'll be in touch soon. Thanks so much, brother. Love talking with you and can't wait for our next chat. Sounds good. Thanks for listening to the JAG Show podcast. If you like what you heard, be sure to subscribe in Apple, Spotify, Google, or wherever you get your podcasts. New episodes are published every Tuesday and Friday morning. For help with your podcast, find JAG on social media at JAG in Detroit or on the web at jagindetroit.com.